this is the key truth, and I got a lot of topics to cover today. Again, five topics. I got two quarterbacks that got benched this week. I got my top-of-the-line predictions for week 10, and I got Kawhi's resting. Is that okay? Am I okay with that? And the Celtics actually look pretty good with Kyrie not being there and Kemba Walker being there. But before I can hop into that, into that, I usually give some sort of music I've been listening to for the past week or so or a couple days. I don't have anything for today. I've just been going over the playlist, just doing that. But I am excited for a couple games this week, such as Monday Night Football, 49ers, and Seahawks. So that should be really good. We get to see the Seahawks, which I believe are 7-2, and and the Niners, who are undefeated at 8-0. and We get to see what both teams are made of, whether they're real or not. I know that the Seahawks are real, but now we get to see, are the Niners really, really that good? Now, if they lose, it does not mean, oh, they're not good and they're not real. It does not mean that. It just means that, hey... They're maybe not as good as we think they are, but they're still a pretty solid team. But now that that's out of the way, I can hop into the two quarterbacks that, that got benched this past week. And those two are Gardner Minshew and Annie Dalton. So Gardner Minshew was benched for Nick Foles. So let me read that, actually. Gardner Minshew was benched for Nick Foles, who's coming back from injury and was named starter by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it makes sense. This is a perfect time for that. They're they're in their bye week right now. They can ease them in through practice and then have them start the next game. But the question remains, is this, was this the right decision? From a business standpoint, you have a lot of money tied up with Nick Foles over sending him for as a free agent this past offseason. And in the bye week, you're really making the home stretch for the playoffs right now. You gotta get your bang for your buck. You gotta get your money's worth when it comes to Nick Foles because you can't trade him. You can't trade him because you're past the trade deadline. It's you gotta put the ball in his hands and see what happens. Now, from a pure football standpoint, at first I thought it was insane. I thought it was idiotic because you were bringing down a rookie. You're bringing a rookie down instead of elevating him up. But then I took a step back, thought about it for a bit took some time to really let it soak in and then I realized this is smart this is this is a smart decision uh from, from a football standpoint because Gardner Minshew is a rookie he is a rookie and he is still he still has a lot more to learn from Nick Foles about the game of football he's young he's talented he can continue growing and he'll get his chance eventually when Nick Foles either retires or just does not play up to the team's standard or desire and eventually gets benched permanently. Additionally, the Jaguars are coming off a bad loss to the Texans in London with Gardner Minshew leading the charge, and they're sitting at 4-5. and five. This is their bye week. They're about to hit their home stretch to try and make the playoffs. And like I said before, this is the perfect time to sit Gardner Minshew for Nick Falls because you want to get that veteran presence, that veteran leadership who knows and has experience of taking teams to the playoffs, such as the Eagles when Carson Wentz was injured taking a 4-5 and five team to the playoffs, and really, at this point, you're, you have a, you're more likely to make the playoffs in Nick Foles' hand than Garner Minshew's. And that's just the way it is. Of course, Garner Minshew probably doesn't love the decision, but I think that in the end, all that matters is how Garner Minshew responds to the benching. Whether or not Nick Foles does a great job, the team will deal with that. But how Gardner Minshew responds to him being benched 
is all that matters. Does he resent the team and coaching staff or even Nick Foles for benching him? Probably not. Probably not. And like I said before, he is not happy about this. He probably is not happy about the decision at all. But as long as he takes it as a way to learn and continue to grow under the wing or wings, I guess, of Nick Foles, everything will work out fine for the Jaguars and Garner Minshew. Now, the second quarterback that got benched this week, this week, earlier this week, actually, was Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was benched on his birthday, and that hurts. That's like being fired from your job on your birthday also, or getting broken up with on your birthday, or on Valentine's Day. But in this case, he just got demoted from his starting position to a backup. And that not only hurts because it was on his birthday, but he got benched for a rookie. For a rookie. And I and I get it. For the for the Bengals, this does make sense. They're 0-8. They want to give their rookie a shot, Ryan Finley. And based off how well their rookie does and whether or not he performs adequately or up to the team's standards or standards or desires and has learned enough from or a good amount from Andy Dalton, they can use that and evaluate how good he is and then determine what determine whether or not what looks like a first overall pick, whether they're going to spend that on a quarterback or some other piece like a wide receiver, probably not, or, or some defensive uh, piece. And they also kept Andy Dalton over the trade deadline, probably to also teach Ryan Finley. And now it becomes of Andy Dalton assuming an Eli Manning role almost, just like how Eli Manning had to assume that backup role to teach Daniel Jones more about the game of football and to really prepare him for games. But I'm upset about this. I am. I am. And for three reasons. For three reasons. A. Andy Dalton is not Eli Manning by any extent. He can still play the game of football. Eli Manning is way beyond his time. Andy Dalton still has a lot of talent left, and I believe on a good team with a solid defense, I hope you know what I'm alluding to, he can be really, really good and take him to the playoffs and really give him a shot at winning things. And then B, the disrespect that the Bengals showed him by benching him, benching him on his birthday. Come on. That that's just that's just not common etiquette. It's just disrespectful from a bad organization to to continue to do that. That's not helping them in any way. And then see the biggest reason why I'm upset about this is that you gotta do Andy Dalton right. You gotta trade him away. You gotta trade him away from your dumpster fire of an organization to a more respectable organization that has a good team and just needs a quarterback. And like I said before, a good team, good defense, maybe some weapons here. That's I hope you know what I hope you know what I'm alluding to, and that's the Chicago Bears. I mean, if if after week seven the Bengals put up Andy Dalton for for trade on, on the trade block or on the trade market. I guarantee you, one of the first offers will be Chicago Bears. Immediately, because they need a quarterback bad. Yes, I advocated I, I advocated Teddy Bridgewater going to the Bears. And that's more of a free agency thing. But I wanted I have I want I wanted to see Andy Dalton go to the Bears with a good defense 
and for him to do stuff there and maybe go to the playoffs and actually win something because he still has not won anything in the postseason. And yes, again, I understand what the Bengals are trying to do. They want to evaluate Ryan Finley. They don't know what he's capable of yet, and they want Andy Dalton to still be there for the re- for the remainder of the season to take Ryan Finley under his wing, or maybe or maybe even Tua if they draft him and determine that Finley is of no good. But come on, honor the guy, honor Andy Dalton. Don't just bench him on his birthday. I get it. You're trying to set yourself up for the future and for your quarterback of the future. But come on. Come on. You got to give the guy some respect. Treat him with some dignity for making your really bad organization, your really bad organization that is the Cincinnati Bengals, into something that's somewhat relevant. He covered a lot of the, of the gaps and holes and a lot of the badness, really, the stink of the Cincinnati Bengals and made them really good for her for some time and competitive for a bit, even though he never won a playoff game. So I'm upset of Andy Dalton being benched, and I'm upset for him. I I just think that the Bengals could have done a lot better or could have gotten about this a lot, a lot better. I would, I would have preferred them trade him and Send him to a good organization, to a good place for him to to do something. But instead they didn't, and I believe that Andy Dalton deserves much better than what the Cincinnati Bengals did to him. Okay, now I'm going to move on to my top-of-the-line predictions. I went through all the games, and like I usually do, I do two 1 o'clock p.m. games, and then the 4.05, 4.25 games, I do two of them. And then the classic Sunday night football. So let me start off top of the line. So for top of the line, I have five games that I've chosen. And I think that I, I'm pretty solid with these ones. Now, I did not have a pretty record last week. I think I was 1-4. Obviously, I do not want that to happen again or ever again. Again, I'm shooting for 4-1 and one this week. And I think I got it. I was pretty confident last week, but I'm... Pretty, I'm, I'm even more confident for this week because, come on, this has to happen. So the first game, I got the Lions against the Bears. Now, right now, as I'm recording this on Thursday night, the spread is at 2.5, going the Bears' way. However, I'm going to take the Lions here. I'm going to go against the spread. Lions plus 2.5. To me, this is easy. If Trubisky's playing, I've got the Lions. It's pretty simple. Not really complicated. The Bears simply cannot score, even against the Lions' pretty bad defense. And the Lions will eventually score against the Chicago Bears' really good defense. It's just going to happen, and they're not going to lose. They're going to win. I mean, you got to go against the spread for this one. Next, I have the Ravens against the Bengals. Now, the Ravens are coming off just demolishing, crushing the spirits of the Patriots, and the Ravens got to feel good. Now, the question is, is this going to be a trap game for them? Are they going to overlook the Bengals? Heck no. And even, if, and even if they do, they're going to kill them. It's the Bengals. They have a rookie quarterback starting, and there's no A.J. Green there. The report just came in that even though the Bengals were really, really hopeful that he would come back this week, maybe to help out Ryan Finley as a, as a, security, bank, as a security blanket, that's not going to happen. He's not there. 
Ryan Finley is going to be all by himself, and it's just going to be horrible. And the Ravens are going to do exactly what they did against the Patriots to the Bengals, except it's going to be 10 times worse. This Ravens defense is going to have a field day, and the number one offense in the league with Lamar Jackson at the helm is going to have a field day as well against the Bengals. I have the Ravens with the spread, minus 10. Next is the Panthers and Packers. Now, this game's really interesting. The spread's at 6. I'm not going to give my answer away just yet. Now, the Packers have one of the worst defenses against the run. And that's not going to cut it against Christian McCaffrey. On the flip side, the Panthers also have one of the worst run defenses in the league. And that's not going to cut it against Aaron Jones. But when I'm taking into account Aaron Jones versus Christian McCaffrey, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. Now, you can also say... Aaron Rodgers versus Kyle Allen, got to take Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not going to say that the Panthers are going to win this game. I fully believe that the Packers will win this game and come out with a win, especially after losing to the Chargers in a game that they really should have won. But I think that the Panthers are going to make this really, really close with Christian McCaffrey because he can do it all. That's pretty much it. Against that Packers defense, yeah, Chris McCaffrey's going to tear it up. He's going he's gonna to have a great day. And I think that the Panthers are going to make it close. I have them plus six. Next, I have the Rams against the Steelers. Now, the spread's at 3.5. I'm taking the Rams right here. The Rams have allowed only 10 points in each of their last two games. Now, Grant, and that's since Jalen Ramsey has joined the team via trade. From the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, granted, those two games came against the Falcons and the Bengals. One team is one and seven, the other is 0 and 8. So, really, how good is their defense? But then again, the Steelers aren't really the best of offenses in the league. And although the Steelers' pass defense has been pretty, pretty good, the Rams are eighth in scoring overall. So I trust that McVay and Goff will get the ball moving, get the ball moving down the field and put up some points, and that Rams defense will do a decent job against the Steelers. I have the Rams minus 3.5. Now for the classic Monday Night Football matchup, Vikings-Cowboys. Now the Spurs at 3, I'm not going to give away who I'm going with just yet. Just hear me out really quickly. Now these two teams are statistically evenly matched. Points per game, rushing yards given up, passing yards given up, Passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, offensively, defensively, they're pretty close. So that means, like most games, it's going to come down to the quarterback position. Dak Prescott against Kirk Cousins. Now, I'm going to use the exact same stat as I used before Sunday Night Football two weeks ago. Yeah, the Cowboys, have, this is their third week actually playing in primetime football. Sunday Night Football against the Eagles, Monday Night Football against the Giants, and now Sunday Night Football against the Vikings. So I'm going to use the same set as I used two weeks ago, Sunday Night Football against the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's the record in Sunday Night Football. Dak Prescott is 6-3 and three now on Sunday Night Football. Overall in primetime, he's 14-5. and five. And if you ask me, that is impressive. Kirk Cousins, on the other hand, is 2-1 and one on Sunday Night Football, which is nice, but it's a, but it's a relatively small sample size. If you, so I'm going to take that and expand that a bit to the prime time games. 
And when you look at that, primetime games, overall, 6-13 and 13 in primetime games, which is not good. Compared to Dax, 14-5, and 6-13 and 13 is not good. And if I add in the fact that he's also a career 1-6 against the Cowboys, it's not looking pretty. I'm just following the trends here. Follow the trends, and I'm going to continue doing so. In November, Dak is 11-4. Kirk Cousins is 8-8. Eight eight. Mediocre. Keep following the trends, okay? Weeks 9-12. through 12. Kirk Cousins is 7-10. Dak Prescott, 9-3. Follow the trends. One performs extremely well during this time. Playoff season coming up. During this time and moment. Prime time with a spotlight on. And one doesn't. I just set it out for you. Jack Prescott performs when it matters the most. And when the lights are brightest, he performs. Prime time games, he performs. End of the season. With playoffs coming up, he performs. Kirk Cousins, not so much. Just follow, follow the trends. I'm doing that, and the trends are telling me that the Cowboys got this. Minus 3.0. So to recap, I got the Cowboys with the spread. Monday Night Football. Actually, I got all I got all the road teams. Lions, Ravens, Panthers, Rams with the spread going their way. Whether it's against the spread or with the spread, I got I got the spread favoring them. But the only home team that I have is the Cowboys. And I think that that is going to work out really, really well this weekend. So I'm, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into the basketball topics with Kawhi Leonard resting, and whether that's okay, and whether I'm okay with that. And also the Boston Celtics look pretty good with Kemba Walker swapped in for Kyrie Irving. So that will be up in a minute. And I'm back. I'm not sure if you can tell, but my hair is a bit damp, and that's because I just took a shower roughly an hour ago after playing basketball for roughly 30, 40 minutes, I think. And I really enjoyed it. I want to play basketball a lot more. It's, like I said many, many times, my favorite sport. I enjoy playing it. I love it. So I'm going to do my best to continue playing it. And I've been trying to also go to the gym on a more regular basis, work out. It's good for your health. And it's good also just if you're thinking about brain-wise or scientifically, it helps you clear your thoughts, but then also come up with new, come up with new ideas, get uh, blood flowing. It's really, really good for the body. And also it's good just health-wise. So I think I'm going to do a bit more of that, and I encourage others to do the same. But now that I got my little story out there, I'm going to talk about Kawhi resting and the Boston Celtics looking pretty good with Kemba Walker leading the charge. So the Clippers have played eight games already, but Kawhi has not played in two of them already. And those two games were against the Utah Jazz and the Milwaukee Bucks. Now for the Utah Jazz game, people didn't freak out about that. But the real big news, the big headline came when he did not play against the Milwaukee Bucks because everyone wanted to see the Claw versus the Greek Freak. It was going to be this big matchup. Giannis against against Kawhi. Rematch of, I believe, the conference finals with the Raptors against the Bucks. 
supposed to be this huge clash, stuff like that. But then Kawhi didn't play, he sat out. And people started freaking out. They started saying, why isn't he playing? Ah, he... I, I paid my well-earned money to see him. Mm-hmm. He isn't a competitor. That whole why? Ah. But my response to that is, did you not expect this to happen? He sat out in San Antonio with the Spurs. And he sat out last year with the Raptors. Did you not see this coming? The trend continues. San Antonio, he rested. He sat out. Because that was part of the Greg Popovich idea. He sat out under Nick Nurse, with the Raptors. And you had to know, going into the season, that he was going to sit out with Doc Rivers. So I have no problem with what he's doing. Not only for that reason, because I expected it to happen, but also for four other reasons. The first reason, the regular season to the Clippers does not matter. They're going to make the playoffs. They can walk. They can sleepwalk into the playoffs at this point. They are a good, talented team. And they have Paul George coming back, so that'll give Kawhi Leonard a lot of burden lifted off of his shoulders. And you can probably expect a lot more games where Kawhi Leonard does not play. The second reason is that Kawhi's legacy is now made in the postseason. Yes, he can win MVP or another Defensive Player of the Year or some other big award. But that's the regular season. And that will only enhance his legacy by a bit. But you look at James Harden. He has a pretty solid legacy. MVP, scoring title, etc., etc., sixth man of the year. But we don't look at him the same way as Kawhi Leonard, even though Kawhi does not have any MVPs, although he does have some Defensive Player of the Year awards. But he has finals MVP. Two of them, I believe. Yeah, two. And so we look at him as having a greater legacy than James Harden. The third reason why is that the Clippers found a loophole. In the rule of resting. And they went about it by saying that Kawhi's not healthy, he's heading to a knee injury, etc. etc. And I don't fault the Clippers for that. They're they're within the rules. And Kawhi is also within the rules here. This is not the Clippers' problem, this is not Kawhi's problem. This is the NBA's job to fix the rules, to close the loopholes, so that you don't have this. The Clippers are doing exactly what they should be doing. And the fourth reason, and ultimately the biggest one, is that Kawhi Leonard does not owe anyone anything. He does not owe it to the fans to go out there and play for your entertainment. I know people say, oh, you owe it to the fans, you owe it to the sport. You're robbing us of what we pay for, of what we want to see, of our entertainment, of the big clash. You're not a competitor, yada, yada, yada. He doesn't owe anyone Anything. He does not owe you anything. So I have no problem with what Kawhi is doing and the Clippers are doing. They're both doing what's best for them, for them as a player and an organization. And for the Clippers, they're also not showing their full hand. They're not showing themselves at full strength. And it, and it does a good job, and it will do a good job, of keeping teams on edge, of teams not having a good or full, I think that's a better word, full pl- game plan against the Clippers when it comes to the playoffs. And also, they're keeping Kawhi healthy and happy. So, the Clippers are doing their job. Kawhi is preparing himself for the playoffs when it really matters and when his legacy can be truly enhanced further. And in the end, if you have an issue with what Kawhi is doing, 
or what the Clippers are doing, what both of them are doing, take it up to the NBA, not the Clippers and Kawhi. Because the Clippers and Kawhi are fully within the rules right here and doing what it takes to win. If you have a problem with it, take it up with the NBA for not closing the loopholes or not having a stricter rule on it. Not the Clippers and Kawhi. Because they're doing exactly what it takes to win, and they're doing it within the rules. Now the, ne now the next thing I want to talk about is the Boston Celtics. For the Boston Celtics, for me, they look really, really good. They're 5-1. The Boston Celtics look really, really good. And it's hard to pinpoint why they look so much better than last season. Comparing this season to last season, the offensive and defensive ratings are similar. The assist totals or averages were actually were higher last year with Kyrie Irving rather than Kemba Walker leading the charge. And the turnovers per game are around the same uh, around the same number. In in the in the clutch, defensively last year, the Celtics were not great, and their offense was really good last year in the clutch, and they still got wins. This year, same story, except the defense is just a bit better, and the offense is a bit worse in the clutch. So that begs the question, what is the difference? And, and just as predicted by many, many people, and this is probably why it's really, really shocking of why the Celtics are doing so good, because people actually are right on this. The difference is Kyrie is no longer there. That's the difference. The stats show that last year's team with Kyrie was as good, if not better, than this year's team with Kemba Walker leading it. In almost every category. All around. Better. Yet that team underwhelmed. Disappointed. The difference between this year's team and last year's team is that Kawhi's not there. Everyone is playing for each other. With each other. No one is thinking about leaving. No one's mind is away from the team. Everyone is fully invested in the, in the goal of getting to the playoffs and winning rather than, oh, I'm just going to play here for the year and then I'm, I'm going to leave. And that's that. Like, like I said before, the stats show that last year's Celtics were really, really good. And they should have made, made it to the finals. A lot of people had the Celtics as their pick to the finals. But they were up and down throughout the year. This year's Celtics look much, much better. But the stats don't say so. This is the classic, the stats don't give the whole story scenario. This took me a while to figure out because I couldn't believe that it really was Kyrie all along. And that he had that big of an, him not being there. And just putting Kemba, Kemba Walker in there, who really wants to win, had that big of an impact. And But, but, but now, I can see that. That was really the case. Kyrie was truly the problem in Boston. And this shows, this completely goes to show how important chemistry is to making a team. You, you can have a, a, a full team of stars and you probably win, but it'd be much more difficult than if you had one or two stars and then everyone else was all right and they worked completely perfectly together, cohesively. Cohesively. You can, you can have a lot of stars on a team, but if they don't get together, or if they don't work together towards a common goal, it's going to be really hard to win games. 
And that's what we're seeing. This completely shows, this Boston Celtics team goes to show how much chemistry and the full investment of a team, of every member of a team, to a common goal, winning, competing, results in team success. Instead of what happened last year, where the team was all in one direction and Kyrie was another one, was in another direction. And that leads to disappointment. So the difference between this year's Celtics team and last year's is Kyrie Irving. And the reason why it's so shocking to me and maybe to a couple people why they look so good, 5-1 already early, is because Kyrie's not there. And people got it exactly right that Kyrie was the problem. So I think that'll do it for today's episode. I think it went fairly well. I'm very proud of what what content I got out now. Um, and I think that this week's top of the line prediction should do a lot better than last week's it's disappointing one in four. Part of that is I do not have Kyrie Irving. So now I should do a bit more better, do a bit better. I'm not going to be five and one, but I'm going to be four and one. So I think that's something to look forward to. It's Thursday night right now. So I'm going to get some dinner and also watch my Chargers go against the Raiders. Hopefully they win. I mean, I'm recording this Thursday. It's going to go up Friday. So hopefully they win. But I think that will do it for today's episode. Have a good day or good night if you're, whatever time you're watching this, have a good blank. I hope that works. Anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to comment and give feedback. That's the biggest thing I want. Just feedback to make this much, much better. Anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching. If you're watching this on YouTube. And peace out.